Turn your Bibles, if you will, to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And I'll read from verse 16. But I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, Let us also keep step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Our Father, please be gracious and powerful through your mighty right arm, as we often read in your word. Do great and mighty things with our hearts and with our minds. Help us to understand, Lord, your gospel and the effects of your gospel to lead us to serve you more and to express loving kindness more in the family, the church, and in this world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue our study together on the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. At first, when we began the series, I thought we would sweep through this thing really quickly. But the more I studied, the more I felt like we needed to slow down. The more I felt like we needed this word from God in a more in-depth way because learning to more and more turn from our sin in humble repentance and submit to the Holy Spirit's gracious work within us is foundational, basic, to living out the Christian life. Increasingly manifesting the fruit of the Holy Spirit is what it means to be more and more like Jesus. Growing in holiness is growing in the fruit of the Spirit. 
We began our series in verse 16 with something so foundational to Christian living that it's often overlooked. Walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now there's a warning in the midst of these verses that follow that those who practice sensuality, those who practice fits of anger, uh, and they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And one more time, I just want to explain that very briefly. And what that means is, if somebody is outside of Christ practicing those things, and the dominion of sin is not broken in your life because you have no faith in the Savior Jesus Christ, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. But these things are listed here in that fashion and in that form to show us that those things we struggle with as the children of God who have faith in Jesus Christ are struggling with awful things. Sin wants to convince us that it's okay. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's optional. It's good, even. And that, and that is just not true. But for those of us, you, who are trusting in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, the dominion of sin has been broken, and now you can walk in the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. So what I'm saying to you is this, there is a great war going on in every single one of, you, of us between the desires of the sinful flesh and the desires of the Spirit. There's this great internal battle going on. The fact that you and I are experiencing this internal spiritual battle is actually proof that we are born again and have been made new creatures in Jesus Christ. The old has passed away. The new has come. And it comes in great conflict with our body of sin. That is why we are experiencing the opposition within us and the conviction that we experience from God. That's why. Indeed, the war within us assures us that we are the children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He's already won the victory. And it is ours through faith alone in Him. Praise God. Now God calls us to grow up in Jesus and to become more like Him. And that includes you too, children. He calls you to be more like Jesus and to depend upon Him to do so more and more. As we experience this personal battle within, it is important for us to learn to walk in the Spirit. I gleaned something from my pastor in St. Louis years ago. It's been over 45 years ago now. I'll never forget it, I don't think. He said, you don't just stop sinful habits. 
They have to be replaced. They have to be replaced. And that is what Paul is teaching here. That's his emphasis here. Walk by the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's what he's teaching us here. As we replace those sinful habits with a manifestation of the fruit of His Spirit, the impact then will be great. In our own life, in the life of our family, children, as you play with other children, it's going to make a difference how kind you are, how forgiving you are. And it's going to make a difference in our community. This, this church is going to make a difference in this community. And in the world. For Jesus Christ. This morning our focus is on kindness. Let me give you a little definition. Biblical kindness is God's tender care for others through us. It's not the kindness counterfeit that exalts man and allows him to say, hey, look what I did. It's, it's, it's biblical kindness is God's tender care for others through us. It's characterized by generosity, concern, self-sacrifice, and compassion toward others. As we look at kindness this morning, we will first see the God of kindness. And then we will look at the goal of kindness. And we'll end with the pursuit of kindness. Kindness is an attribute of God. Therefore, God is a God of kindness. If kindness is an aspect of the fruit of the Holy Spirit then kindness has to be an attribute of God. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That is such a beautiful phrase. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, the same Hebrew word for good in this verse can also be translated as kind. In fact, when the Hebrew Scriptures were translated into the Greek in what is called the Septuagint, the word in this word in Psalm 34, 8 was translated as kind. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is kind. And the psalmist is doing that. The psalmist is describing his own personal experience with God's kindness. And he, he does so in such a compelling and powerful way. Taste him. Just taste him. Just, just a little taste. Just taste him. And you will see that the Lord is good. Well, we've often seen this kind of thing before, haven't we? God, through the biblical writers, has provided us with language that we can understand and identify with. We love to eat. There's not much more that we love to do, more than we love 
to eat, is there? Now, parents sometimes encourage their kids to eat something new and different. Try some new food. And how does the kid normally respond? Eh, I don't want to. Just a little piece. Just try it. Just a little piece. That's what the psalmist is doing. Just take a little taste of God and you will see how kind He really is. Just take a tiny taste and you will get a glimpse of how compassionate and caring and loving and kind He is and it will be all you need for that meal. Taste and see. God has established this table before us this morning for us to taste and see that the Lord is kind. This table represents God's infinite kindness towards sinners to save a people for Himself and not at a small cost, at a great and infinite cost as you can now picture His Son come to earth hanging on a cruel cross for no good reason of His own. He had done nothing wrong. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He bore our shame on the cross. He died because of our shame, suffering the full punishment for our shame. And He rose again. He rose again from the dead to give us new life through faith alone. In the words of an old camp song that I used to sing every year with all my friends, our gracious God says to us this morning, Come and dine, the Master calleth, come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. That's awful kind. He who fed the multitude, picture it, turn the water into wine to the hungry. Are you hungry? To the hungry calleth now. Come and dine. For your nourishment this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person in the Holy Trinity, who is the very incarnation of God's kindness. He is the image of the invisible God and He put God's kindness on display for you and me and a watching world. And among other things, He fulfilled the words of the prophet Isaiah in chapter 61. In the power of the Holy Spirit, He proclaimed good news to the poor. He proclaimed liberty to the captive. He proclaimed recovery of of sight to the blind. Once I was blind, but now I see. And he set at liberty those who are oppressed. Has he proclaimed good news to your poor soul? Well, you're not poor anymore. 
Are you? In Jesus, you are rich. Romans 2, 4 speaks of the riches of God's kindness in Jesus Christ. One of our relatives during our recent 4th of July family reunion, we had a blast down at Riverside Park. We really did. Well, they asked Laurie, how deep is the current river? Or how deep can it get? And just guessing, she said, oh, I guess maybe 20 feet or so. I don't know. Well, you know Laurie. When she got home, she started researching. She didn't find out the answer to that, but her research took her to something else, and the blue spring she found flows into the current river is 310 feet deep. And if you really want deep, and by the way, 310 feet deep is deeper than the Statue of Liberty is tall. If you really want deep, the Mariana Trench in the Pacific Ocean is almost seven miles deep. Brothers and sisters, there is no end to the depth of God's kindness. There's no end to it. Titus 3, 4 through 7, but when the goodness and, listen, loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, who he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Well, even today, even today, he is crying out. Our kind God is crying out as recorded in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and following. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. What does that mean? That means come in submission to me. Put my yoke upon you your neck. Come in submission to my lordship and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Now listen, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's the God of kindness and that leads us to the goal of kindness. After Briefly discussing the God of kindness, he now tells us unbelievably throughout this passage that the Lord also wants to produce his kindness, his kind nature in us in order to be a blessing in an unkind world. In the story of Ruth the Moabitess, Ruth traveled back to Israel with her mother-in-law, Naomi, and in this, Ruth showed great kindness to her mother-in-law. To feed the two of them, Ruth got on, her, got on her hands and knees and worked. She began to glean in Boaz's fields. Ruth was very surprised and grateful when Boaz was kind to her and protected her. In this whole 
love scene that would develop and wind up with a baby uh, <laughs> and through that baby King David and through King David David's greater son the Lord Jesus Christ through that whole thing Naomi recognized that the Lord's kindness had not forsaken them you know people all over this community that we bump into regularly often feel lost and overwhelmed and depressed and oppressed in their grief. And these same people can be lifted up by God's kindness through us. That Naomi would recognize that God had not forsaken forsaken them shows just how powerful spirit-wrought kindness is. Well, praise God. The Lord's kindness through Boaz to Ruth. The Lord's kindness through Ruth to Naomi. And Naomi's testimony of the Lord's kindness all point to the kindness that is ours in in their ancestor, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, one more story showing God's goal for spirit-wrought kindness in our lives. A lawyer asked Jesus one day who his neighbor was. And Jesus told him the story of the Good Samaritan who stopped to help the poor Jewish man who had been stripped by robbers, beaten and left for dead. As the humiliated and badly wounded Jewish man lay in the road suffering, a priest, a preacher, saw him and passed him by. Then a Levite, another temple uh, servant, passed him by. Finally, a Samaritan, one who was despised and hated by the Jews. A Samaritan, no less than a Samaritan man, saw the man and with godly compassion stopped and helped him. He bound up his wounds. He took him to an inn. He paid for him to stay there until he was well again. What impresses me most about this story is that he helped his enemy. He expressed kindness towards someone who despised him and considered him an enemy. Similarly, there are many in today's world who despise us as Christians and what we stand for. They despise the gospel of Jesus Christ. They despise good, orthodox, biblical teaching. Therefore, they consider us their enemy. For example, those who are in the LGBTQ movement consider us their enemy. Well, what are we to think about that? Biblically, 
There is absolutely no way that we can support the LGBTQ platform, and we should do our best as Christians, I believe, to eradicate this politically through legitimate and peaceful means. It's anti-biblical to the core. It is anti-Christ. God made marriage to be between one man and one woman. We cannot support the LGBTQ agenda. But this is a very important distinction that we all need to make. We must love homosexuals and transgenders and so on. Any opportunities that God puts before us to do loving and kind things through us for those in the LGBTQ movement, we need to act on and be grateful for. And with that kind of an attitude, we will not look down on them. We will pity them for we were once outside of Christ, not deserving one iota of grace or kindness from God. Who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is the homosexual. Jesus said in Luke 6, 27 and 28, I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. In the Gospel of Luke then, as I just read it, Jesus says, Love your enemies. Paul then teaches us in 1 Corinthians 13 what love is. Love is kind. Love is kind. From our hearts, we are supposed to love everyone. And we are supposed to pray and work toward the salvation of all men. Do you know that some in the homosexual community will by God's grace be in heaven with us for all eternity? Oh yeah, and I love that. I am so encouraged by that. Some who are transgenders because the gospel is the dynamite of God, will come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ and God will care for that child as much as he cares for us and he will lead him. Save him and lead him to become more like Jesus Christ. I, I, at times, at times I, I get a little overwhelmed and I think, well, Lord, where are the stories about the homosexuals coming to you? The lepers come, 
The women in adultery come. Where are they? And I get so encouraged by texts like this. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor, listen, men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, he says, to the church at Corinth. Such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Now everything that I just said in regard to the LGBTQ agenda applies to the pro-abortion agenda as well. God's Word does not condone the evil practice in our society of killing babies in the womb. That, that is clear in God's Word. And it is also true from the teaching in God's Word that, that, that the pro-abortionists would see us as uh, would see us Christians as enemies. How, what do we do with this? Well, abortion is evil. Life bleeds out of the Ten Commandments. Life. But we need to, for example... If we live right next door to an abortion, abortion doctor, we need to see him with pity and, and compassion and care. And our prayers for him should be real, filled with pity and, and a crying out to God for this man's salvation, there will be some who have done this atrocious act who are with us in heaven because of the power of the gospel in a sinner's life. You know, it was just as powerful in your life. It didn't need to be any less powerful in your life than it, do, it, than it does to these examples that I've been giving. Or mine. Because God is holy. God is holy, holy, holy. And what amazing grace the gospel impact is. It's dynamite. We need to have care and compassion and kindness toward sinners in our hearts. And when we have an opportunity to express kindness, kindness toward them, we need to take that opportunity regardless of their response. God can save these men and women. You know, much of the Black Lives Matter movement seems to be running on absolute blind hatred that has left all reason behind. Uh, 
it's just abs- it just seems to be absolute blind hatred in this movement. And and those who espouse to be part of this movement, their hatred toward us is real. It's real. We cannot support these ideas. We cannot support this sin and destruction. But Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? But love your enemies and do good and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High God for he is kind to the ungrateful and evil. Yes, he is. He's kind to the ungrateful and evil. He sustains their life every day. He brings the sun up for them to enjoy. He puts food on their plate. They breathe God's oxygen every day. And we too are to be kind toward them. You know, there's a big difference between standing opposed to evil in accordance with God's word, and we should. But there's a difference between that and our responsibility to love and, to, and our responsibility to express loving kindness toward individuals who hate us. Now, children, that's what I meant when I was talking earlier in the service about how you should practice kindness now toward your brothers and sisters, toward your parents, even if it hurts. Because we have a God of kindness. And, you, and that's where it starts. It starts on the playground. Well, when we get a chance to show kindness to someone who advocates the Black Lives Matter movement agenda, we need to take it in the name of Christ because black lives really do matter. They really, really do. And it was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us, wasn't it? And he raised us up with him in his resurrection and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Praise God. Well, very quickly, the pursuit of kindness. Uh, God's children are not supposed to be passive. This is the Holy Spirit's chief work in our life. It's God's commitment to his children of faith. But we are not passive. We are to pursue this kindness. God is primary in our sanctification, but we are not passive. We play a part. We glean from God's Word, His precious Word. We pray in faith. We feast on Jesus at His table. We choose to walk in the Spirit. We must choose it. It's called growing in submission to the Holy Spirit. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness. I'll stop there. What, what the Apostle Paul is saying is that when you get up in the morning, it's like putting on your clothes 
put on as God's chosen ones compassionate hearts, kindness. And he goes on. You wake up and you get dressed. And the impact over time will be tremendous in your family, in our church, in our marriages here. Uh, The way we treat our children, the way our children treat us, the way they treat each other, the impact will be absolutely tremendous as we grow in walking in the Spirit and, and being kind to one another. And it's going to impact our community too. We don't know what God holds for SGRC in the future. We don't know. But we do know this. We're rich. We are rich. We're so filthy rich. It's unbelievable. In Jesus Christ. We are born again. We will, although we will die, yet we shall live. We also know this, that God has something amazing to do in and through us. I want this community to know it. Well, lastly, don't forget that the fruit of the Spirit doesn't save anybody. We're saved by Jesus Christ. For by grace we're saved through faith and not of works. And be assured of that as you come to the table. Come and dine, the Master calleth. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. It's crazy for us to read words that we're so tempted to play down like kindness. But your kindness is definitely there when it shouldn't be as far as the world is concerned. Help us, O Lord, to trust and be assured that our salvation is all locked up and that you have us in your hands now to become more like Jesus. We place ourselves there. We walk in the Spirit even now, giving praise to our God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's take our hymnal and turn to...